Welcome to Let's Face the Facts. I'm David Almeida, and I'm your host for this rewatch podcast for the classic sitcom, The Facts of Life. I'm an actor in Orlando, Florida, and every week I invite an actor or artist friend to watch an episode with me. Join us as we synopsize, analyze, criticize, and ultimately idolize the show. Hey guys, welcome back. It's another week, another show. Thank you for downloading and pressing play. My guest this week is Natalie Dolliner. Natalie is a very good friend of mine. She is a super multi-talented lady. She does everything, acting, singing, dancing, choreographing, directing, writing, cabaret performing. She is the whole package and, uh, and more, as we will discuss. Before we get started with the show today, I do want to give a shout out to a new tutti frutti, Melissa B. What's up, Melissa? How you doing? The tutti frutties, of course, are those amazing folks who support the show through patreon.com slash face the facts pod. You can be just like Melissa and the other tutti frutties and support the show for as little as a dollar a month. You get extra bonus stuff, the occasional video, and a $3 a month pledge gets you an additional podcast every month, me and Matthew Arter, in a show called TV Talkaholics. So come on and join the Cool Kids Club and join me in welcoming Melissa B. to the family. So back to today's show, this week, Natalie and I watched Season 6, Episode 23, called Sisters. The original air date was March 20th of 1985. I have some sound issues at the beginning. My voice is a little soft, but I do get it corrected about 20 to 25 minutes in. So please be patient. And uh, you know that stuff does drive me crazy. So if it bothers you, you know it really, really bothers me. That's it. No more apologies. Let's jump on in. Let's face the facts with Natalie Dolliner. Dolliner, welcome Hi. back. <laughs> Thanks. You I'm... were here last in December of 2019. So right before oh. 2020 hit. Any anything, <laughs> uh, anything interesting yeah. uh, going on in 2020 for you? Anything? Uh... Oh gosh, no. Was there something interesting happening? No, I, I... I didn't. Nothing here. <laughs> nothing here. Not at all. <laughs> yes, it was season four, episode three. The very special episode. Yeah. Judy may be losing her hearing. Oh no, I know. She doesn't want to be handicapped. <laughs> and then oh seeing that to cousin Jerry and being <gasps> right, exactly. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. uh, it's weird to see you on Zoom because in addition to being an amazing performer, actress, singer, dancer, everything, director, writer, cabaret performer. You are- oh, don't stop. <laughs> don't stop. Don't stop. <laughs> you also are a, uh, a doctor of oriental medicine, otherwise known yeah. as an acupuncturist. That's right. I get to needle people and get paid for it. <laughs> and you're my acupuncturist, and I still see you on a regular basis. This is the first time I've seen your face in how long? You know, that's right, because I always have a mask on. I know. Yeah, because we been, do it. It's been a year, right? It's been it's been a long time. At least, at least a year. Yeah, I think we, wow. we helped you move some furniture a few months ago. That's true, and I forgot to put my mask on, but that's, yeah. 
we were, but we were outside. There was, there was like a brief glimpse of, oh yeah, that's what you look like. But this yes. is not, I don't think we could consider this episode a very special episode. This is a very unspecial episode, I have to tell you. There's oh, like, oh, opinions, ladies and gentlemen. In my, it's right a very unspecial. Well, it's not very special. <laughs> it's sweet, but it's not very special. No. That way. I, I, I personally, I, I like this. I'm going to. I like the up. episode, but it's not a very special. It would not be an after school special. No. Saying. What I'm What I'm saying is. Of all the episodes this season, I've had a lot of criticisms and a lot of critiques. And this is one of the shows I don't think I dislike horribly. There are some others that I've had big problems with. Well, it's kind of a plot that's been done before on numerous other sitcoms. But not here. And I like that. This was a fun, fresh take to see it done with our girls. But we are talking. We are talking about season six, episode 23, Sisters. Which was originally sister, sister, sister. There were never such devoted sisters. Anyway, yeah, harmonizing over Zoom. Wow, (laughs) not gonna happen. Yeah, Uh, it was originally broadcast on March twentieth of nineteen eighty-five. It was written by Bob Meyer and Bob Young. The Bobs have been writers on the show for uh, since last season, if not the season before. So they've been around a while. Directed by John Boab, their in-house director. And uh, yeah, that's really it. I don't have anything new to add because we've covered and talked about these writers uh, in the past. So we're, we're already there, Natalie, the time of the show when I put my guest on the spot. Uh-huh. And I ask you if you would provide a one to two sentence synopsis of this episode, similar to what you might read in a TV guide. Do you mind if that TV guide has the bend that I have? Because I can tell you that lesbians will look at this episode differently as we do look at this show. What well, do it, do it. You give me the, the Natalie Dolliner TV guide spin. So this is the one where Joe and Blair um, might become sisters, if not sister, at least step, which is a step in the right direction. <laughs> <laughs> and there you have it. There you have it, yeah. Yes. You know, there, there are whole websites devoted to Will Blair and Joe get together, even though we know how it ends. It's like, these are all the lesbian things that happened in these 12 episodes. These are all the times they almost got together. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, last week at the, uh, the last drive-in, we had a lot, a lot of Joe showing Blair the ropes. <laughs> and uh, my favorite moment, Blair talking about some woman who threatened her. She says, she threatened to punch out my porch light. Exactly where is my porch light? Did Joe offer to show her? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's what I think it's like. I'm going to show you later. You read my mind. Exactly. <laughs> so um, I'm ready to get started deep diving and microscopically dissecting this episode if you are, my dear. Okay, absolutely. All right. Well, our first scene begins with the girls in the kitchen. And Edna's edibles, well, this joint is jumping. Blair and yeah. Joe are cooking and baking like mofos. Tootie and Natalie are running in and out. But the very first line anyone speaks is, tarts, give me tarts now. <laughs> Which in my drinking days, I may have been known to say when I entered a room. <laughs> but uh, very quickly, we get wonderful expositional dialogue like, oh, Mrs. Garrett sure picked a bad week to be out of town. It's so busy. Well, after all, it is Langley Alumni Week. 
So that's why there are so many more people in town wanting to buy our stuff. <sighs> okay, fine, get it out of the way. At least we know where we stand. Did you notice this was an episode without Charlotte Ray in it? Oh, good Lord, I noticed. Mm -hmm. Because this whole episode would have been over in five minutes if she'd been there. <laughs> Had she been there, she would have said, oh, don't be ridiculous. And that would have been the end of the episode. Yeah, exactly. It's it. five it minutes. She's like, oh, don't be silly. Adults don't think like that. And that would have been that. And and again, I don't want to just give anything away that's coming. But, you know, she is the guiding light of this episode and she's missing. So instead, we have someone who was actually on the guiding light. Right. Oh, that's right. Of, of right. many. March to say yes, we do. No. Uh, no. Yeah. So so are you saying that you missed her or? I'm I agree. Episode, it would have been a very this, episode. this particular episode could not have happened if she had been there. That's true. That's unless she advice. was in on it, because like I said, this is an episode that was done on the Partridge family in mm -hmm. 1970. So they all think that, you know, the mom's going to get married. Now they, in that case, they actually brought Ruben in on it. Right. And so mm -hmm. part of the strange little, like, is she, is she not going to get married? But I think that Mrs. Garrett's a little smarter than that. So I think that in the, if she would have put an end to this and it, there would have been no episode. Yeah. Or she would have at least been like, so, all right. So it, this could happen. This could not happen. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we'll get to it. We're getting, we're getting ahead of ourselves here. Yes, this. we are. That's what <laughs> this, Sorry. this is that's happening. So um, now Mrs. Garrett is out of town. That's all we're given. Previously, we did mention that she had been on her, what was supposed to be her honeymoon, but at the last minute, she decided not to marry this old high school flame of hers, and instead they were just going to basically be engaged and go steady and see where it went. Um, but at this point, it's just she's out of town. There's no talk of Ted, this fiancé. That is something I'm tracking for sure, because <laughs> I want to know if Ted just disappears into the ether like, like characters do. Uh, I'm definitely going to be reporting on that. Okay, cool. Um, any uh, any fashion uh, commentary? Oh my God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, and again, it goes right back to I've got this lesbian then on this on this, you know. Uh -huh. But so so Blair is the typical '80s lesbian. I I think I just showed you a picture of myself and my first wife looking exactly like this. Yeah. yeah. Poodle perm mullet, you know, slicked on the side and tall yeah. in the back. And and the only thing she's she's got in a tie. A, a her, very skinny button down shirt. I'm like, oh, my God, I had this exact outfit. And the only thing that's different is she's not wearing one single earring dangling from one of her ears. <laughs> uh, she is perfect. And I'm just all about her look. And like, it I also helps that she's wearing a baby blue blouse with puffy sleeves at the wrist. The, they, they gather at the wrist. Uh, shoulder pads, Blair is in a serious shoulder pad phase. And oh, yeah. I, I am there for it. I am on board. She looks amazing. She totally does. And skinny, she looks perfect. She looks so good. Yeah, no, yeah. The, the days of, you know, Lisa Welcho being a big old fatty fat, probably weighing a hundred pounds. Right. The producers were losing their shit over over her appearance. Yeah, no, no, they, those days are behind her. Where Lisa Welchel is, she's 21 now. So she's an adult. She's in her adult body, not her teenage body. Girls having body. Be, no, having for friend. go through shit when they're in puberty. And uh, 
so frustrating to know that those days did happen, even though thankfully they're gone now. Um, yeah. <laughs> but this baby blue blouse, say that three times fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not to be confused with Blair's blue blazer, which we've just. No, that's a whole different. I looked for it, but she's out of school now. So, yeah, I mean, no, there's no. Yeah, no more blue blazer. We have a lot of fashion commentary this season. And as the season is winding down, we are seeing the Eastland uniforms on Tootie and Natalie less and less. That has really trailed off the last few weeks. Uh, and eventually they're going to go away completely till fucking Pippa shows up. But that's another story. <laughs> but um, it, with this baby blue blouse, Blair <laughs> has a peach skinny necktie, which perfectly matches the Edna's Edibles peach aprons, which I guess are part of the uniform, which I don't think we're always, a, I'm not sure we ever had a specific Edna's Edibles uniform other than an apron. They were so matchy matchy that I wondered at first. I, I don't, I remember at one point commenting that they had, they had these aprons that came up over their chest and right. of course, particularly Tootie and Natalie being so busty, all it did was just highlight how endowed they were. And it's not a good look for anybody, but it does, it does, it's supposed to keep you from getting things all over you. Although so I have another question. <laughs> okay. So how long have they been working at Edna's Edibles? It's been a while at this point, right? It's been at least two years. We are coming to the end of the second year. Is it apparently not possible for them to make things without covering themselves in flour? <laughs> it's, in the, it's in the intro dance little thing they do in the beginning of the show. And every time they walk in, there's flower everywhere and they are <laughs> in their outfits i'm like what the hell are they doing out there well, i'm thinking it might be coke but i don't know that's <laughs> well edibles i mean they, they right. sell well somebody gummy. actually said to me that that's you know i didn't even know that that's what they're called now the little gummy bears with the pot in them that perhaps edna's edibles is a dispensary yeah or or yeah or even just pot pot brownies made at home you could call them edibles yeah Right, that's right. Yeah, we never. Matthew Arder says it's a better show if you imagine that it's a drug front. It so. does help. <laughs> it needs, help. and it is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, that's really all the fashion to comment on. Is that Blair is the other? Th I don't really remember much of anything else. Uh, and then in comes Blair's mother, Monica Warner, oh played by the incomparable. Marge Doucet, whom we have discussed in the past, and we love her as Blair's She's mother. So gorgeous. And she just was, she just died in 2020. I, I looked that up too. I don't remember there being much of anything about her death. Now, when Mitzi Hogue died, who played Natalie's mother, there were all kinds of press about it, including headlines that said Mitzi Hogue, Facts of Life star. It's like she was on like five episodes. Like Mitzi Hogue was not a big thing. Monica was on, it, uh, it will be eight actually. Eight, okay. Yeah, Monica makes eight appearances and Marge Doucet has a lot more going on in her career. She's really the grand dame of daytime drama. Mm -hmm. what, what lay people call a soap opera. <laughs> so when I just toss off names of soap operas, uh, it's actually Megan Maroney who made me aware of this. I would say the soap opera and she'd be, who do they play? What was the character? And I'm like, oh, people who know soap operas would actually want to know that, wouldn't they? Right. So Marge Doucet, 
uh, has played, this is just a smattering of her soap career. She was Pamela Capwell Conrad on Santa Barbara from 87 to 91. Oh, Santa Barbara. I forgot that one. Yes. And um, by the way, I love soap opera names. So these names fill me with joy. <laughs> then on Days of Our Lives between 1992 and 1993, she played Vivian Alamein. But she is best known for playing the role of Alexandra Spaulding. Mm -hmm. Guiding Light, uh -huh. which she played off and on from 1993 until the show's ending, which was 2009. Wow. That is a good run. Absolutely. Uh-huh. And uh, this is her fourth appearance out of eight as Monica Warner. Um, she's only been in three episodes previous to this. Uh, the three episodes were the, the very special episode about breast cancer where she has a, a cancer scare and then the graduation two-parter. So it's two, technically two, two plots, but three episodes. Two, two, two parts. Yeah. And yeah. we have a lot. I'm kind of now. obsessed with her look too, I gotta say. When oh yeah, oh yeah. Talk about her look, go ahead. Oh my God, but the neck, like I said, when I, when I dressed for fun, I dressed like Blair. When I went to work, I dressed like mom. The, mm -hmm. But yes, she has got this matching hat and jacket. She's, she's got gorgeous pocket square she is just so gorgeous beautifully put together and um we do have a joke here that does come back later where she says to joe oh joe you know things about cars my jaguar is making a clicking sound when it goes uphill why is that and joe says you probably need higher octane and she says higher octane i'll have my mechanic order it Mm-hmm. And that joke does repeat, of course. Yes, it does come back. That does uh, become a thing. I also liked how they did that little Femi Butch thing, too. When she first walks in, it's like, hi, I'm so uber feminine. Joe, you're a butch. You know about cars. Tell me about this. Yeah, exactly. Possibly no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, flirt, it's like she flirts with Joe just like she's a man. Oh, That's oh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. A oh, giggler. Yeah. Now. Now, if this was nowadays, it would be like mm -hmm. a running joke where she thinks Joe is a man. Like it's a running thing where it's like- Well, that is what happened when Blair met her, right? For the first time? True, true. First time, so. that's very true, yeah. Mm -hmm. So she is in town, of course, for Langley Alumni Weekend. And that does track. We do know that Monica did attend Langley and uh, she was a part of a sorority, which Blair had the opportunity to join, but instead Blair chose to uh, work like a commoner. Not sure why. Um, really? You don't think it's because it gave her the chance to live in the house in the same room with, with her girlfriend? And two other grown adults. <laughs> I mean, I, I agree. I know, I agree. forget it. <laughs> the bond is strong. We do know the bond is strong. Uh, so, but it does track that she would be there. And now we learn further that she is part of the alumni weekend planning committee. Mm -hmm. And because things are going so well, they're already starting to talk about next year, which means she is going to be there in Peekskill for the, for the whole week, for the whole week. And so that's great. Terrific. Blair's like, I get to spend some more time with you. Terrific. And in fact, you're going to stay here in Mrs. Garrett's room because Mrs. Garrett's not here. Not here. Yes. So and I just realized that even though I made that joke about her being their guiding light, she hadn't done that yet, had she? <laughs> I was I like, I came five years later. 
<laughs> I mean, she came with some soap credits already. That was just a few little bits and pieces of her longer running things. So she might have done it. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, but the next scene, we do have a little bit at the beginning that is cut from the syndicated version. So you would oh. not have seen this on the Daily Motion website. It's just simply Tootie, Natalie, and Joe laying in the living room, sprawled out on the couch and the chairs, exhausted because they have been working their asses off minding the store. But while this is going on, Blair and her mother are talking about doing their fingernails. And it's just babbling and talk. Well, then if you put this coating on and then put the color on over, that way you can take the color off without ruining the coat. And it's all this stuff. And the, the consensus is just like, would they shut the fuck up? Yeah, but I'm glad to know that was there because I was really puzzled when they were talking about how busy they are and the two girls are just sitting around doing nothing. Although Natalie and Tootie seem to be busy. Blair and they're just like la 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 lazy. Yep. They got nothing better to do. So I'm glad to know that they actually were busy and they just I just missed that scene. Uh, yes, and and in fact we're lucky that they even address this because there are weeks where th there is no talk or mention of the store. Mrs. Garrett's still out of town, and we've got the four girls, and it's like who's who's taking care, who's minding the store. So yes, that scene is not there. Uh, in the syndicated version. In the syndicated version, the scene begins right away with the doorbell ringing, Tootie answering the door, and the arrival of Charlie Polnicek, Joe's dad, played by Alex Rocco. I just love him, and not just because I'm from Boston. I just love him. Mm -hmm. Oh, gee, um, being from Boston, interesting. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of the many things we have in common. Right. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I just, I love him. And I love that he truly came by this honestly. Like, like, well, no, he came by this dishonestly. So he spent time in jail, right? And then yeah. he, he wants to go straight and he takes up acting and plays gangsters. I love it. Well, it's true that he had an actual mafioso background. Yeah, yeah. And then played. Going to a gang, right? I think so. Yeah, that's kind of what drove him out out west to, yeah, to the other yeah. coast. Uh, but here's the funny thing. I've said this before. Alex Rocco has the career I would dream of having in Hollywood really? because he was in The Godfather uh -huh. and he was in The Cannonball Run Part Two. <laughs> like to me, that is the perfect gamut of of, and you um, see yourself in these movies. How exactly? <laughs> not not me personally. But, um, <laughs> this is his sixth appearance as Charlie. He was last here about a year and a half ago in a show called The Second Time Around, where oh, there yeah. was there was a question whether Joe uh, Joe's dad and mother might be rekindling their romance. Mm -hmm. And spoiler alert: the answer is no. And right, interesting. She's single. Yeah, yeah. But and and the part of that is interesting as we as we track things. And you know, I'm always looking for consistency and references and, and things like that. Well, one thing that happened in that episode is as Joe was expecting him to say, "So your mom and I are going to get back together," he he has it's a I got big news. I'm seeing somebody, and this woman has two young children. So. He had a girlfriend when we last saw him. Now, mm -hmm. you know, just we don't know whatever happened to that woman, but it was a big deal at the time. Clearly didn't need to be. Yeah. 
well, you know, for just for the episode. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and I don't know if you remember this. I've said this before, but I just love this as a piece of TV trivia that Alex Rocco and Nancy McKeon hold the distinction of playing father and daughter on three different series. Really? Because they didn't know that. They developed a friendship in this show. And because of that, the um, in, in her subsequent sitcom called Can't Hurry Love, which did not run very long, uh, they needed uh, her dad for an episode. She said, I want Alex Rocco. So that's great and cool. He played her dad on Can't Hurry Love. But then later, after she took time away from show business to raise her family and got back into it on The Division, which is the show she was doing in the early 2000s, which is what prevented her from being in the Facts of Life reunion movie. He played her dad on 15 episodes. Wow, cool. Of The Division. It's it's like, that's more than he played Charlie Polnicek on the Facts of Life. <laughs> right. But that's how cool is that, that they developed this friendship and just like working together. And she had clout in her show to, you know, suggest casting things. I think that's just terrific. It is terrific. Yeah. And they work well together. It, oh, they're great. I yeah. love them. Love him, her. I've, oh, to me, having Monica and Charlie in the same show, really and truly, I like all of, there's, there's nobody I dislike of all the parents. I'm trying to think. My only issue is when we've met Natalie's mother, she was a little bit, uh, a little bit uh, waspy, Mitzi, Mitzi Ho. Yeah, you expect her to be borscht about like Natalie always is because they're always writing lines for her that are like that. It's not that it's like I wanted, forgive the term, I wanted a really Jewy mom for her. It's just- I'm not offended at all. <laughs> you as if, if you are tell me as a jewish person you may absolutely be offended and, and call me out on my shit and then similarly joe's mother remember joe's mother is the weather-worn workaholic waitress she works at some type of a not nice place like not a fancy place and she's worked her fingers to the bone so her daughter could go to this private school since the dad was in prison and didn't help and all that and then we meet joe's mother again kind of white bread i i liken her to mary steenburgen mm. But here's the deal. I still like them as actresses. I love them as actresses. That was my only beef with any of the parents. I liked Blair's dad, uh, Tootie's parents, Tootie's mom, a little bit broad, but that's where Tootie gets it from. And, and it was her actual mother who played her mother. Oh, really? Yeah, that's right. Alex Rocco passed away in 2015 at the age of 79. Uh, mm. And his reason for being there is that we learn that he's now selling. His territory has been expanded and now he'll be covering from New York City now to- To his daughter. To my daughter, isn't that great? <laughs> I love that line. I just thought that was cute. Yeah, and thank you expositional dialogue where he says, and if they buy auto parts here in Peekskill like they do in other towns, I'm gonna be around a lot. So Charlie's employment, this has been a little spotty over the years. We know he went to prison. He served a couple of years and he got out in the first Joe season. So season two is when he actually got out. So he's been out of prison now for four years. In that time, I recall he, he, he was employed as a courier. And then there was a company that was kind of wooing him to be sort of the manager of the shipping department. Mm -hmm. I want to say maybe it was like a legal firm. Uh, 
I don't think there was any talk of his job the last time he appeared on the show, but the last time anything to do with his employment or his status was in the graduation episode, he showed up uh, dressed in a nice suit and with a nice car. And uh, his ex-wife was upset that he was throwing around his money trying to act like a big shot, but he said that he had gotten a promotion and he was making more money. Um, so it's... Uh, Suddenly becoming an auto part traveling salesman is a little bit of a leap. I feel like it's possibly just done so that they could find a line for jokes. Like, oh, God, yeah. So when he she hears that he sells auto parts, she asked if, if he carries octane. <laughs> callback, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Yeah, callback. I think there's another one, too. But the cool thing is things that do track, you know, I love show Bible moments. I love character histories that track. And at this point, he looks in the room. He says hi to all the girls, looks over and says, oh, Monica, isn't it? You're, you're, you're Blair's mother. We met at the kids' graduation. Which is the last time we saw them together. Correct. That absolutely together. does track. And then they ruin it. When she says, oh, of course, Charlie, I remember you. You drove us around in that quaint little car of yours. What was it called again? And he says, a, a Toyota. And then what does she say? What a feeling. <laughs> oh, what a feeling. Uh -huh. Toyota. Mm -hmm. Toyota. That's Cheers it. Slug. That was their slogan. That was a very funny line. Here's the thing. When he shows up at the graduation, he shows up dressed really nice. And actually, he rented a Mercedes. It was stated explicitly. And Joe's mother was upset that he was spending money on the car, buying people, buying, uh, paying for lunch for everybody, renting this really nice suit. She's like, what are you doing throwing this money around when you could be giving it to your daughter so she can buy textbooks? And uh, the nice little storyline is he says, I wanted this weekend to be special and I wanted to show you a good time. And, and um, Rose, the mother says, she doesn't need a good time. And he says, not her, for you. This is, you've done all this. You didn't have any help from me and I'm able to do something nice for you. And it was a really lovely moment between the parents. And um, again, Charlie's a good guy. He, he went to prison, he's an ex-convict. He's a good guy. And, and by the way, like Alex Rocco, Alex Rocco, because we love him. And, and again, no mention of prison at all here. Nothing to do with that comes out in this episode. But you remember that. Um, so, yes, it does track that he and Monica met. But the car reference, the oh, what a feeling joke is a pretty good joke. But it's like, oh, you reverse engineered that and contradicted it. Damn. <laughs> so long story short. Both parents are in town for the week. They want to do dinner. The girls are busy. They're going to mind the store. They've got finals. They've got things to do. So uh, Tootie says, well, why don't the two of you go grab some dinner? And he's like, oh, okay. You want a Monica? And she's like, oh, sure. Some funny little shtick with her fingernails still being wet. So when they shake hands, he has to go to get her fur out of the, um, out of the closet you know which one is hers when she just says get my wrap in the closet clearly has five coats in it just oh he probably figures she's so rich it has to be the mink i guess i don't know well the parents decide yeah sure we'll go out it's really perfectly innocent and then the response is that monica says oh that's great and uh, we'll go out for dessert later dear 
And so off they go, trot, trot. And then the girls are left alone. And Natalie, first thing out of her mouth, ooh. And they're like, what? She's like, Joe's dad, Blair's mom, together, alone. He's single, she's single. And there's no one to be the voice of reason uh, to stand. (laughs) No, I had nothing go. Oh, don't be ridiculous. Yeah. And that's it. Blair and Joe are just in this. Oh, don't be ridiculous. They have nothing in common. Now, you had said there was something about the blocking with Tootie earlier in this scene that jumped out at you. Yeah, but I do. I do notice. that it might've been that because of the missing scene, it's not really what I thought, but from the time we see Tootie trying to peek out from behind people, she's always, she does not even appear until like three minutes into this whole, whole show. And then, you know, she's peeking from one side to the other. She has almost no lines except for suggesting they go to dinner and welcoming him. It gets better later, but I'm like, Tootie is barely in this episode. It's like, she's sort of sandwiched in there. Yeah, yeah, she's not there a lot in the earlier part. Um, But it is interesting. We've had this kind of weird blocking before where they will stage two people in a conversation or in a moment facing each other or, you know, at a three quarters, as we call it in the theater, three quarters uh, turned. uh, Cheating out a little. Cheating out. There we go. I couldn't think of a word. So what's so weird about it to me is they've reproduced that awkward moment. If you've ever done this, like, you know, you introduce people and they start talking and you're still standing there and you're like, should I excuse myself and walk away? Or should uh-huh. I smile like I'm part of this conversation, which I'm clearly not. Only we can see her face doing this. So she's like looking for one to, and then she like peeks her head out on one side and she peeks her head over the hand to the other, make sure the audience can see her. And then when they finally come to an agreement, she nods and then smiles and walks away. And you're like, that was so awkward for her. Yeah, she didn't need to be there. <laughs> she did not need to be there. I was like, why is she still, she should have opened the door and then walked away. I- yeah. And they've done this before where they've been like, like, you know, two characters are fighting and now they're making up and they'll position Mrs. Garrett way back upstage, you know, uh, far away in the back, but directly between them and it's one of those, what, what, well, I'm supposed to be looking at the pair of them, but I'm standing between them and without having your eyes going boing, 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 <laughs> back and forth, you, you look kind of, you kind of cheat outward. So Mrs. Garrett kind of has been vacantly staring past the camera, which Tootie is doing Not a little bit Tootie, here. Not Tootie though. Tootie is literally, first she's trying to stick her head so that we can see her, but I think because of her height too. I love how she's like looking up at one and then the other. Somebody's hand is always in front of her face. And then she's like leaning a little to one side. So she's clearly aware of where we are, which Uh I love. But she's not staring vacantly. She's like, "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Nodding and smiling on an audio. So I'm sorry. No, no, (laughs) she's she's doing it. She's, She's absolutely trying her best to act and react in these moments when she's not it's really involved in it. But it just looks it's really odd. It's, it's It really it's does. Necessary. But she's adorable, so we forgive her. True. True. So we move on to the next scene. I want to talk about the blocking in the next scene before it even starts. Oh, See girl. Because remember, I am taking a lavender take on this whole show. Oh, I'll do you one better. There Go is ahead. stuff missing from the beginning of this <gasps> scene that you did not see in syndication. Okay. 
Tell me about it. Tell me. So does the scene start with the two of them sitting on the couch next to each other? Right next to each other. Right. Well, there's more of that. There is more of that before we come in. Do tell. Um, Yeah. It's (laughs) them on the couch sitting very close, shoulder to shoulder, completely unnecessary. One of them could have been in the chair. Absolutely. No need for this. Um, So uh, Blair is in her navy blue jumper which we saw when they went to Fort Lauderdale. This was her travel garb. It's got the uh, red accessories, the red pocket square. Yeah, I mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Joe is in a beige puffy jacket with short sleeves. Uh, very weird. Um, so all it is is that they're impatiently waiting up for their parents. We learned it's 1013 and they have been gone since six. So this has been over four hours since they left. And then Tootie and Natalie do come in from the kitchen looking a wreck because they've been cooking and doing the baking. Apparently Blair and Joe couldn't have been distracting themselves with (laughs) chipping in. That was all the kind of stuff I wondered about. And again, I hadn't seen the scene that was missing. All I know is when the scene opens, they are like hip to hip. And you know, when two people sit on a sofa, you've hosted a party, you know, you sit on either end unless there's... They are in the middle together behind a coffee table, like just like touching. And and I I I just just gotta wonder why. And then and then so supposedly the reason they couldn't go was how busy they were. They're just sitting around. I'm like, and what are they doing? Canoodling? Because I love that word canoodling, by the way. But so <laughs> Judy and Natalie come in like they've been doing all this work and again covered in flour. What the hell is that all about? Right? It's like, this is how they work, apparently. And and they're just sitting there. So they if they weren't going to work, they could have gone and the whole thing wouldn't have happened. So I just, I don't understand. Couldn't agree more. There's no reason this scene couldn't have taken place in the kitchen with all four of them working. And then one of them looking up and saying, okay, well, I think we're just about prepared and ready for, oh my God, it's quarter past 10. Why are the parents not back yet? Oh my God, what? You know, they wanted to play up that Joe and Blair were perturbed by this. But they're not even dressed. I mean, it could be that after two hours of working in the kitchen, they just, the rush is over and they got dressed to go out on their respective dates with each of their parents because they were supposed to go out afterwards. They were, but I'm not buying it. They look, they look too fucking cozy. Do you think that they know that a lot of lesbians watched this show and hoped that they would get together and wanted to just throw us a crumb. Do you think that that's what it is? There's so there, many of them I have to wonder. There are so many. Their beds positioned the way they're positioned. They're head to head. Why? Yeah. They, so, uh, just, <laughs> there are so many arguments one way or the other. On one hand, you could say it's a sitcom. They were churning this out. They didn't have time for finer nuances. They didn't have time for a show Bible. They could remember that Monica and Charlie met at graduation, but they couldn't remember that Charlie rented a Mercedes. Right, and they couldn't foresee we'd be able to stream this. Uh, Bingo, yes. (laughs) But reruns did exist in 1985. We were watching Brady Bunch and Gilligan's Island. They certainly had to have some sense. not back to back to back to back. No, that's not true. I, I, that's not true. These, this show was already, it was already in syndication in the 10 a.m. morning slot on NBC. We are well over the typical 100 episode threshold that would make a show marketable in a syndication package. So mm-hmm. they had to know. 
that this was going to live on. It was still just not typical MO. They just didn't do it then. I get that. I get it. But be that as it may. Um, so, but on the other hand, there are the people who could argue, no, you don't write anything without thinking about it. Like nothing, nothing is accidental for how often there is lesbianic stuff here. So of course, there's I always know. the possibility that the actress is added it, but it's not likely. It's like you were told to sit on the couch. Why there? It doesn't even help that you put you both in the same frame because we can clearly see the whole sofa. So there's no reason. In fact, the fact that they're stuck behind the coffee table and the fact that later when somebody's sitting there, Joe sits on the arm. That's the logical thing to do. But no, I'm just going to sit right here. She just right next to you. Yep. <laughs> It, it is it is weird and i i would love to get some insider insight into that <laughs> yeah right but that's it and i mean in the earlier days the show did philip nolan is the one who pointed out that the show did have a level of innocence about it where it, it really would have been odd if they were trying to telegraph that but nowadays but we've already seen them ogling people in co-ed dorms walking around in towels. And I mean, so their innocence is, okay, a later very special episode to the contrary. Their innocence is mostly over. Yeah, if not physical. If not physically, certainly yeah. in their minds. But yeah. Natalie going through trying to find whatever that guy lost so she could go to his room and give it to him. I mean, I, you know, I there's clearly something. Yeah. And then I don't remember exactly, but doesn't, okay. Joe then does get up from the couch and says she's going into the kitchen. She's in there a coffee left. I'm going to go make some. Did you? Yeah. Oh, I, I be, I'm obsessed with the coffee in this, in this whole episode. Oh, really? Why? Yes, I'm obsessed because this is supposed to be a very nice place. Edna's edibles, right? They serve good food. Ostensibly they serve good coffee. What do you see every time there's going to be coffee? Did you notice? Uh, hot water an open jar of instant oh oh you're right later it is it is instant. No, over and over joe literally goes into the kitchen to make some coffee and every time we see it the instant is out and mm -hmm. the water is being poured and they they track you right over to the stove there's nothing there's no ibric there's no coffee maker on the counter there's nothing this is right. hot water and an open jar of uh, i don't know sanka maxwell house one of those freeze-dried things and i'm like I'm fascinated that she's opened this gourmet shop food thing and they're just, I'm also obsessed with the fact that there's always open food out on the counter, but that's another thing. But <laughs> coffee is instant. What the hell? Right. But remember, Edna's Edibles is a bakery though. They call themselves a gourmet food store. It's not a coffee shop. I will admit as a bakery, we have had uh, fresh home ground sausage. Uh, uh, we had at one point we had Mrs. Garrett grinding her own fucking meat. At one point we had them making grinders, like selling them like sandwiches. We do have those little cafe tables, but I've never gotten the impression that it is a cafe in the coffee sense. I, I, I do not attribute any of the coffee stuff going on here to being connected to the store. This is just like we're, we're having coffee at home. And Instant was so popular in the 70s and into the 80s. I guess so. I yeah. guess 
It's a snob. Our, our culture has changed so much around coffee when you think about it. But my parents, it was taster's choice. Really? Did your parents oh, do instant coffee? My parents were Sanka people, but I just thought that's because it was, you know, no caffeine. No, I mean, they went and- to all this trouble to make, you know, they even laugh at her when she's going to buy crullers. It's like, you know, <laughs> they're making all these things with the fresh ingredients. And then your coffee is like, here, let me just pour this hot water. She's going to make coffee. She makes a big deal of it. I'm going to, is there more coffee? I'm going to go make some. You're right. No, you're yeah. not. You're going to boil some water and pour it. <laughs> I'm not making coffee at all. What do you you're right. You're totally left. Yeah, that I cannot argue. You're right. That is fucked up. Yeah, I'm going to go make some coffee. It's like, right. she's like, is there any coffee left? I'm going to yeah. go make some. It's like, <laughs> no one has in, made in the, any, and she did not make any either. Yeah, in, in the jar. Yeah, there's still some coffee left in the jar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, what we are setting up here, I think the reason for Blair and Joe to be on the couch and be agitated is because this is setting up that when Charlie and uh, Monica do come in, they are laughing and giggling like at nothing, at nothing, <laughs> laughing and giggling at nothing. Thank you. We're, we're going to talk about that in a minute. And so what we're doing is we are flipping the status comedy of. Uh, where have you been? Do you know how worried we were? You should have called and that type of stuff, particularly between Blair and Monica. Absolutely. Let me tell you, the laugh track. Love that joke. I, again, I, I think there was a laugh track. I really Sorry, don't what? know. I really don't think there was a laugh track. But they laughed at nothing over and over. You they really had a hell of a warm up. I think they had a hell of a warm-up person. I really do. Maybe a great big applause sign, I guess, and a big yeah. sign. But oh man, because I was, there are, I, I my argument oh. is there are episodes where there are no laughs, and it's like, well, if there were a laugh track, they would have put them in. But there are times when it's just, just like death out there. It just seems like they come out of nowhere, though. These laughs, it's like, it's, but, well, also Monica's laughs come out of nowhere. I. <sighs> for what that joke might have been that he tells he's like he was still wearing his belt but his pants fell down (laughs) (laughs) i would have loved if they had just turned to each other and said pistachio (laughs) 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 oh he told the most charming story about pistachios it's like okay yeah mom whatever where the fuck were you (laughs) if they had just had a trigger word i would have forgiven it all Right, but But Monica would just like, all right, dear, well, I'm going to go upstairs to sleep. (laughs) It's like, girl, are you high? That was my very next question because clearly the two of them went out and choked a little, right? There's no other explanation for this. They're not, but they're clearly stoned. (laughs) But between this conversation between Blair and her mother, she says, oh, Charlie tells the sweetest stories. He's vastly amusing. And some of the things he says are so arcane. Do, do you think arcane is a, a positive adjective to describe the way someone's No, no. She's kind of calling him a Neanderthal. Like he's, he's tres amusant in a very, as he says, she says about him, right? Yeah, tres amusant. Tres amusant. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's not, it's not, it's not flattering, but it's different for her, I guess. 
Yeah, but again, she's just amused. Again, it's one of those like, oh, he is the most charming ape I've ever had to sit down and have a meal with. Like, kind of that kind sort of, of a thing. Yeah. But, but then in the kitchen, a great line, Charlie and Joe are now kind of touching base. And Charlie, great line, perfect, perfect line for this character. Oh, that Monica, she's a classy broad. She knows what to say. And then. And it turns out I'm amusant, Trey yeah, but, amusant. Wait, wait a minute. She said, so what did she say? Well, she let me do all the talking. That, to me, that was a lovely little moment. Yes, yes. She <laughs> knows what to say. She let me do all the talking. Yep. <laughs> Typical, the old thing. You want people to think you're a great conversationalist? Ask them about themselves and listen. True. Mm -hmm. I have no idea what that is like. I hope to someday learn how to do it. <laughs> So oh, oh, a moment that I did miss earlier, and I'm not sure if it is cut from the syndicated version, but before they arrive back from their date, when Tootie and Natalie come out of the kitchen, they are like, wait a minute, aren't Charlie and Monica back yet? And they're like, no, they're not. Natalie gives another, ooh. It's, it's almost akin to Tootie's, there's gonna be trouble. Yeah, there. It's not exact. There is. Um, Do you remember that? In, did exhausted, you, the and they go up to bed, but they don't say anything about that. But they talk about being exhausted. And I just noticed that they left their dirty, covered aprons on and went up to bed. And I'm like, well, even I take my lab coat off before I go into the house. So I was like, yeah. Please. Like, just take your apron off and leave it behind. I don't understand. But I don't remember them talking about them not being home. That, But that's that's what made Joe get up and go make more coffee. Yeah. They used to do that at Eastland, by the way. We'd be in their bedroom upstairs, and they would walk in with their aprons on from serving food to the school. And it's like, you, you wouldn't take those off and either hang them on a hook for later or put them into the laundry. Why are you wearing right. these upstairs to your bedroom? But, um, yeah, so then the next scene is up in the bedroom. And Tootie and Natalie are like, uh, so what's going on? What's going on? And they're like, Nathan, go back to sleep. Shut up. It's nothing. And so what is just basically communicated is Blair says, uh, mom just said that your dad was actually kind of amusing. And Joe says, oh, yeah. And dad said that your mom didn't bore him to death. And then we get another, ooh, out of Natalie. And they're like, shut up. I'm trying to remember because before we got to that, before we got to that, did they overhear the comment that she said, you know, he makes this spray. He sells this spray that makes an old car smell new. Yeah. One of did the charming things. Because she's, I mean, he says, you know, he said, I smelled so good. He wanted to take me for a test drive. And I'm like, how is this not a come online? Did they overhear that? I don't know. Yeah, and that he has whatever this thing is, this spray that gives off a new car smell. And she's got it on, like on her wrist and is holding it up to Blair like, smell, isn't it? It's like, I don't believe Monica would be all, isn't this great? Monica would be like, oh, <laughs> you could put that away now. Yeah, but she's like, he said I smelled so good, he wanted to take me for a test drive. I'm like, I, oh. Yeah, <laughs> true, that does that does sound a little sexual. I'm, I I forgot that, it, I missed that moment. Yeah, anyway. it kinda does. Yep. And, then there's, and then I was, because I hadn't seen a lot of Tootie, you notice that she's completely under the covers for most of her lines, which I thought was kind of funny. I was like, did she have a zit or something? And that's why we're not seeing her face. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> she's behind two people, and then she's covered in flour, and then she's under the covers. Yeah. 
<laughs> her later she looks gorgeous so i guess that's not it yeah maybe they were hiding a pregnancy or something yeah <laughs> just her face I don't yeah know. <laughs> so, so we before we go to commercial the last moment is where natalie has a moment where she went well you know opposites attract why they could get married and you know what that would mean and blair and joe were like what and Natalie, this is for America more than it is for the girls in the room, where she says it would mean that Joe Polnicek and Blair Warner would become sisters. Good night. Off she goes. And we are yeah. left with Blair and Joe considering this as a possibility. And we fade to commercial. <laughs> Great moment. Great moment. It was. It absolutely was. Yeah. So then we come back from commercial. We've got Tootie and Natalie sitting on the couch. Joe at the table with textbooks. Oh, that's right. Do these four girls go to school? Yes, they do. Thank you for reminding us. Exactly. It's been a while. And she is once again in lesbian chic. Oh, God. Same outfit, okay? She's got on a jumpsuit, which sort of looks like a gas station attendant. Mm-hmm. Her little, little matching belt and a little matching pocket square. Yep. And Big earrings on. It's the only thing that's different. Oh, yes. I wore this outfit many times. Mm -hmm. So Blair and Monica come in from shopping. Monica asks Joe if she thinks her dad would like this tie that she picked out for him. And again, okay, go ahead. I don't want to interrupt, but I'm just, I, so here's a guy who's Trey's amuson and, and wild and a little different. And what is this tie? It is a burgundy business tie that has nothing interesting about it whatsoever. Yeah, it is. It's kind of plain. And I guess, you know, technically as a salesman, he would wear a tie. We have not seen him in a tie, but it's like, oh, okay. That's nice. But, I mean, even if she was going to pick a tie, she said it it had was it, she, it had him written all over it. It screamed his name, something like that. Something about it called says it just reminded her of him. And I'm like, it is a boring burning burning tie. Nothing yes. on it. I don't understand. <laughs> so we do have um a great moment here where um she says, Well, let's go do dinner, do something later. And Blair is like, oh, I can't, mom. I've got to study for finals. They're coming up. At which point, Natalie. The little fucking shit that she is stirring up, <laughs> stirring shit up here. Monica says, well, maybe I'll call up Charlie. And then Natalie says, there's the phone, like pushing it right along. And then she starts dialing. And Natalie turns to Tootie and says, she knows the number. She by knows heart. the number. <laughs> yeah, again. Hi, thank you, Yenta. <laughs> and then. Um, she asked then- for the extension. She and asks she for the extension, meaning the room at his hotel. She knows and, the extension. And Tootie's turns to, Tootie turns to Natalie and just like, pick a little, talk a little, pick a little, talk a little, cheap, cheap, cheap. It's like, wow. Yep. So, yeah. Anyhow, so they set up another time to get together. That's all fabulous. Um, and did you notice that when she calls Charlie, it's this little acting thing that kind of bothered me, but she goes, Charlie. <laughs> So literally she hasn't given him time to say anything. I wonder what he said that was so fucking funny that had her just laughing hysterically at the other end. And I feel like it was, Charlie, it's Monica. Do you have any plans for dinner? Good, let's go somewhere. 
like there, <laughs> right, exactly. there was a 1940s quality, like, like the front page. Like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but look at her fabulous coat with the shoulder pads. Oh, holy, it was gorgeous. Gorge, yeah. Natalie suggests that they go along and kind of suss out what is going on here because clearly something could be going on here. And Joe is like, I'm not going out. I've got to study. And Blair's like, we should go. And Joe says, my clothes are all in the dryer. And then either Tootie or Natalie says, well, you can borrow your sister's clothes. And, and do you remember what Blair Joe says? says do, you, do you remember what Joe says? Of course I do. I'd rather be damned. <laughs> Which means something very different in my life. <laughs> That's our diesel and engine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, uh, right before the next scene, when they're coming back in from this evening of fun together, I thought to myself, are they similar in age? What is the difference between the two of them? How old are they? How old are these actors? Here's a funny thing. Mm-hmm. Marge Doucet was born on February 20th of 1936. Alex Rocco was born on February 29th of 1936. Oh, wow. <laughs> she is nine days older, and Alex Rocco is a leap year baby, born on February 29th. Wow. So, but I'm like, they are, you know, so number one, they are nine days apart in age. <laughs> but secondly, if you do the math, that means both of them are 49 years old. <laughs> huh. Her, I, I'm okay. I get it. It's like I see her as a woman in her late forties. I feel like Alex Rocco looks a lot older. Yeah, but he's been in prison. He, he's lived a life. He's certainly. He's lived a life. He's yeah. absolutely lived a life. And don't forget, she has been on soap operas, so she just, yeah. Snip, snip. You know, it's. It what is that? Oh right, it's hard when you get to um, a certain age and realize that people around you are changing. Do you remember Irma Bombeck? Do you remember who she oh, God, is? Oh, God, yeah, Bombeck? sure. Do you remember she was watching Sunset Boulevard again when it was on TV late at night one night and all uh-huh. of a sudden, 50? She was 50? Yes. <laughs> That's right. Cameras are grinding, I mean, you know? And he does call out Norma Desmond. I agree. It's like, like 50? 50? <laughs> God, exactly. Oh, boy. I, I just, um, something in the dialogue that we just sort of glossed over in that last scene that did end a moist note. Um, not moist, damp, very damp. damp. Sorry, damp. Oh, damp, oh not we, but, no, no, we hit it. We hit up on the thing. Are you one of the many women out there who do not like the word moist, Natalie? I do not mind the word at all. Okay. What is now the deal? Thing- I thought there were men who don't like that word. I don't know any women who don't like no, that word. No, no, it's a woman thing. It's, it's really, it is, but okay, listeners, I want you to weigh in here. It is my understanding that th- that moist is a word that a lot of people, particularly women, have a problem with. I want to hear from people. I want to know. Huh. Just say it. They're talking about they're going to go bowling since they didn't, right? Since they, since he did her thing. Is this this is the scene or am I jumping? This is this, uh, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So she says, well, I don't have a ball. And she's like, oh, they have balls there. And they cut to Joe's face. And the look on Joe's face is either how ridiculous that she didn't know such a thing or <laughs> she said balls. And I swear it's <laughs> just saying. 
<laughs> and later she said she'd rather be damp and it, the scene was made for me yep. we we have balls and we have damp family entertainment ladies and gentlemen right exactly <laughs> so uh when monica leaves to go uh meet up with charlie or to get ready to meet up with charlie i forget blair and joe are left alone and then they start getting into it a little bit over Blair making a comment and Joe thinking that Blair is calling her dad crude. So Joe calls her mother a spoiled airhead. Quite loudly, she's in the kitchen. Yeah, you can hear. Yeah, she can hear you. Keep your voice down. But it's good that they get into it a little bit, but they don't go crazy with this. They're just bickering a little bit. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm glad Blair did not bring up his prison record or refer to him as a jailbird. (laughs) That would have been a low blow. Right. So in this case, I'm glad nothing comes up because that does add another dimension to this, I think, that we did not need. But no sooner do they, you know, end the scene with them mad at each other. The next scene is still in the living room later the same night. Blair is still up because she didn't want to go to bed and go to the bedroom where Joe is because she was still mad at her. So Blair is studying and Joe comes down. In her man pajamas. Uh-huh, which I have, yeah. Oh, you do? I do. You do? I do, I really do. Are, are they are they standard issue with your lavender card? Um, I believe they came with the toaster. Okay, good. <laughs> so very quickly, a lovely scene where Joe immediately says, hey, look, what I said before, What's bothering me wasn't your mother. It's the two of them together. And um, they they share a milk dud. Is 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 that a lespian thing, sharing a milk dud? Is that I a euphemism? I don't think so. But I know that, I do know that um, Blair not being able to answer because her her jaws stuck shut. My yeah. yeah, yeah. That I, was the joke was she's true. Well, she's like, well, what do you say? What are you saying? But I was like, oh, my, my teeth are stuck together. Yeah. My jaws stuck out. Mm-hmm. Yep. I have gotten locked jaws, so I thought maybe it was a, a, but I don't know if that's, yeah. Yeah. So the scene ends with Blair saying, well, my mother could do worse. And Joe says, yeah, my father too. And then Blair says, I think we should give them our blessing. And that's and because the end of the scene. no Edna, it's been what, five days, six days? If, if that. So, I, I know. You know. What, to sleep together or what? Because I, I, not. Well, well, no, we do know later what the blessing is. Huh? I said they looked at birds, they went bowling, they had dinner. What the? What what blessing? What are you talking about? Because they're listening to Natalie, of course. It's it's true. Because no Mrs. Garrett. There's no Mrs. Garrett. That's the problem. That's just what I'm saying. Without her, this whole show wouldn't have happened. This episode. So then, (laughs) exactly, yeah. So then the final scene takes place in the dining room. No, wait, room. before they, because remember, the, oh, no, wait a minute. Are they, don't they try to go upstairs first? Isn't this, I'm going to stay behind. Isn't that here? Uh, no, it's the scene before when they're arguing. It's like, well, fine, I'm going to bed. Well, I'm going to bed. Well, then I'm not, I'm staying down here. Did it's, she forget that, but she's like, where are you going? Well, I'm going to bed upstairs where my bed is. And she looks surprised. I'm like, you've lived there for two years. Your beds are next to each other. Did you forget where your bed was? I just, yeah. You forget you weird. you sleep together. Right. I'm like, how did you forget this? I don't understand. It's it's crazy. It's ugh, that's not good writing there. 
So then our final scene takes place in the dining room. We do have a little moment of Tootie and Natalie in the kitchen where there's talk of this anticipation of this blessing that's going to be given. And Over Tootie coffee and Natalie that isn't. Huh? Over coffee that isn't, again. Uh, again, this is, yeah, the coffee. Espresso. Well, right. She's like, wait, but you have to, was it two? Uh, One regular, two decaf. One regular, decaf. And so she's like pouring a lot for the espresso. And yeah, it was ridiculous. But yeah, it was, it was crazy. It was stupid. So then no sooner do Tootie and Natalie return to the dining room to witness Blair and Joe giving a prepared speech. That clearly Blair has prepared. <laughs> that Blair has prepared. And then Joe, Joe willingly, I mean, at the very least, you'd think Joe would be like, Blair, for fuck's sake, I'm not going to, let's just tell them we're cool with this. But no, it is this formal, like we're at their goddamn wedding reception. <laughs> and so finally it ends up, this is, just, it's, it's just so uncomfortable and embarrassing and unnecessary. And then, you know, we have seen the joy, you have our blessing. And then the punchline to this is Monica going, for what? And then it's like- There's all this weird stuff that like, doesn't make sense either. Like we have news, oh, you got your grades back. Now you know she was studying for finals yesterday. Yeah. (laughs) So maybe she's not so familiar with how college works, but- and can I just interject one small thing? Mm-hmm. I love how Tootie looks in this scene. What is the, she wearing? Uh, she has the smoky eye. Her hair is on point. She looks fabulous. And of course, Joe with her little red popped collar. But Tootie looks amazing. I just, yeah. just couldn't help notice that. But oh, anyway. oh, well, Joe's popped collar is because she's wearing the red onesie that she wore in Fort Lauderdale. Um, or as I call it, her Teletubbies outfit because... It looks, it does nothing for her figure. It, it's just a big red, like you say, it looks like a, I, I've been talking about the onesie. I've been jumpsuit. talking about- Jumpsuit, I, but right, they were very popular. And oh I yeah, have, jumpsuits or jumpers, I've been calling them too. It didn't even occur to me until just earlier t- today when you said it looks like a filling station uniform. That's what it looks like. It's so That damn was the style, but that masculine. was the style. We absolutely dressed oh, like oh, that. Yeah, without question. And it looks like And the belt like would have a little, little clasp in the front that just, yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, totally. Yeah. And so, in that sense, they were sexy because you knew that the person was probably naked under there. That's really all I can tell. <laughs> I cannot tell you how many times in a bar I've unzipped. This is back when I was drinking, you know, but, and I was <laughs> a bartender, but yeah, you, to flirt, you just grab somebody's zipper and yank and whole front exposed. It's delightful. Anyway. Oh, well, good to know. Yeah, well, you know. Next time I'm in a lesbian bar, I'm going to try that out. Thanks. Yeah, you'd have to go back to 1980 for it. but. Uh... <laughs> so uh, the Monica and Charlie burst out laughing at this, as we would hope they would. And here's the deal. When they say we are here to give you our blessing, blessing for what? Blair says to get married. <laughs> Not... Right? Not to see each other, to keep seeing each other. <laughs> I know. It's just like, <laughs> what is happening? It's so ridiculous. And it's like, girl, stop being drama queens. All you had to do was shut the fuck up and say, 
it's okay. Why don't we enjoy it and enjoy them enjoying each other? Now, granted, uh-huh. we did need this, this denouement, this great big moment. They could have so toned this way down where just Blair and Joe are just smiling at them. And finally, Charlie and Monica could be like, what? And they're like, we're just looking at you guys. Okay, but you're, you're looking at us funny. We just think it's great, you guys. What, what's great? Well, they, they, you're seeing each other. And we want you to know we are so okay with it. You absolutely have our blessing. That would have been great. And then burst out laughing. Wait, whoa, no, no, we're friends. What are you talking about? Yeah, but then you couldn't have had a whole bit where they're making fun of Natalie who tries to leave the room because it was her idea that they were going to get married and the two of them would become sisters. Because, That's right. Right. So it's all really, it all comes down to the Borscht Belt joke when, it, when all is said and done. You're right. I forgot. Because they do say, <laughs> where would you have gotten a ridiculous idea like that? And they oh, look at Natalie. Go. <laughs> and Natalie's like, Ugh. Gotta go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But they do have a nice little moment where it's like, what well, you've been going out together and having fun and enjoying each other. And they say two people can have a good time together and not get married. What the fuck? I'm paraphrasing. (laughs) And so no sooner does this laughter die down between them. It's like Charlie says, well, I got to get going. Actually, this is my last night here. And he he was about to have coffee and dessert, which they've just set on the table. And he's like, well, I got to go. Like, wait, what? Nope. Fear of commitment, Charlie. Yep. That's it. (laughs) But. He does turn to Monica, and as they are laughing through this, he says, hey, Monica, when you decide where you want to go on the honeymoon, get back to me. And she's like, But she is a tad overdressed for just having dinner with the girls. And That's the Warner way. Blair is always overdressed. Blair's always... Yeah, but she's got rhinestones on, and she's all sparkly. I'm sorry. It looked like she was going out for an evening, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but again, you put you that's how you dress a rich person. They're dressed formally all the time. That's how we know they're rich. Oh, okay. According to the facts of life. Right, okay, I got it. Because it's nighttime, I guess. Well, I did like the last line though. I thought it was really sweet. And and, and why don't you why don't you uh, uh recount for so us what the last kisses, lines are? She kisses Blair on the top of her head. She says a kiss for my daughter, and then she leans over to Joe and she said and a kiss for the one that got away. And freeze frame and roll credits and what a lie. Isn't that just the sweetest? Yeah. Now, had it not freeze framed, Blair would have put her arm around Joe and said, Oh, we're not letting her get away. <laughs> exactly where my mind went. But, yeah. <laughs> but perhaps she'll uh, be your daughter-in-law since she's not going to be your stepdaughter. <laughs> exactly. No, that's that's totally, totally where all of our when we rewrite goes. the show, that's how it's going to end. <laughs> But uh, yeah, overall, I really, really enjoyed this. I think this is one of my favorites of the season in it's spite cute. of, in spite of, you know, 90 minutes of critique. Yeah, uh, but it's cute. It's a cute episode because it's, it's stuff that's been done. It's the courtship of Eddie's father all over again. And it's just very cute. I you're like, what the hell is that? That's way before my time. I'm not possibly old enough to know what you're talking about. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I like that. I mean, I like these almost all of these sitcoms use the same, they pull out a couple of 
chestnuts every once in a while. And this is one of them. This one's been done on many different shows. Yeah, and I yeah. it's evergreen, the whole it. thing of two single parents getting together. And what does that mean for the kids and their relationship? Totally. Right. And then, of course, jumping to conclusions and getting in the way. And it's just cute. It's cute. They're a little old to have made that mistake. But again, I, you know, they're cute. Yeah. And remember, we've been through the getting married too quickly thing with Mrs. Garrett. Why would they make the jump to we're okay if you get married when we just had Mrs. Garrett re-meet her old high school flame and within a few days being like, we're eloping tomorrow. And the girls are all like, oh. So we kind of already had this. So why they would push their parents into something Maybe they just sort of think this is what people do and they might as well roll over and accept it. Yeah, I I don't know. But the thing is- it is. It is still so cute. And the things in particular, I do want to give the episode credit for, for all the critiques. I want to give it its credit. Number one, the Blair Joe dynamic, when they start fighting and having their argument, it doesn't go too far. If it went further, we would be back to season three, Blair and Joe really sniping at their status. You're a poor person. You're a rich snob. Nah. It could have gone there. And we've had these instances where we're like, no, this is a fight they had years ago. They're, they've matured. They're 20 now. They're not bickering teenagers. They're Their voices do get a little high, though. I don't get it. Right. You know, other than that, I agree. <laughs> but yeah, but I just like that they, I feel like the argument was plausible without being imposed or forced and then not going so far as to belie the development of the characters that we've watched over the last six years. Right. And they quickly apologize to each other. So exactly. Very adult. And we don't need Mrs. Garrett anymore for that. They're that's how mature they are. And, and lastly, I do have to say Natalie being the busybody, Natalie stirring up the shit and being the one that I fucking love that. It was pretty cute. Yes. I just, I just love people named Natalie. That's all there is. Uh, (laughs) Well, here we are at the end of the show. Wow. You know what I haven't done in so long? I've been having so many repeat guests that I, I forget. I do the show and then it's like, well, it's great to see you. Bye. Uh, We haven't done a classic commercial nostalgia hop in a long time. Do you have any classic commercials that uh, popped into your brain as you were watching this? Well, sure, because all the Toyota commercials. <gasps> That's right. <laughs> I remember them all. <laughs> oh, the oh, what a feeling. And what was the other one that was going on in the 80s? Uh, the one that came right after that. Of course, now it's just completely left my mind. You, you asked for it, you got it? You asked for it, you got it, Toyota. You asked for it, you got it, Toyota. Yep. Yeah, I got to find those and post them. And the, I loved all the commercials with songs in them. Yeah, no, jingles were a thing. And it's, it is sad. It's one thing that we don't have anymore. Ooh, ooh, let me tell something that I've recently discovered because we're talking about television and how our television watching habits have changed so much without commercials. I am so into Pluto TV right now. Oh, yeah? Have you been on the Pluto TV app? Mm-mm. It is like watching cable TV. You pull up the app and there's a program chart. Instead of channels, it's basically channels with a show. So it's all three's company, 
all <laughs> Gilligan's Island. All, oh my goodness. One thing, all Price is Right. Matthew was the one that got me into this because it's got all classic Bob Barker Price is Right. So you just go, but it's like channel surfing again. We don't channel surf anymore now with streaming. Yeah, it's true. It's and true. I might do it. One of them is all the classic Carol Burnett's, all the, the rerun chopped up Carol Burnett and Friends shows and all that stuff but yeah so i'll just scroll down and watch like i was watching three's company earlier um i found one channel that was just the comedy central roasts oh my god wow which are filthy right oh i know sometimes for no reason but yeah absolutely and And that's what i haven't done it on pluto but i do this periodically it's how i sleep i will turn on like some sitcom that i used to like to watch Often I saw it for the first time in reruns, but like Mary Tyler Moore makes me happy. I go through that one all the way through. And let me just say, this has nothing to do with anything, but watching that show while streaming, you have got to give props to their costume department. Holy crap, that woman's that woman's out closet is very delineated. She, w- she may wear a different necklace, but you've seen it before too. And yeah. every- she brings something every time they introduce new clothing you see her shop for new clothing and bring it home it's like oh i remember that and so when he says do you have a favorite a favorite outfit and lou grant tells her to wear that thing with the flower you've seen it and you know just what he's talking about i love that stuff i I agree oh and i didn't mention there's another outfit the outfit that blair wears at dinner also was seen in the Fort Lauderdale episode. So Which I also do- wrote a note about because again, I had the, I had a lot of these outfits. When these two dress like 1980s lesbians, I'm like, I'm telling you, <laughs> why they dress in this way? Because that is not how straight women were dressing. They were fuzzy sweaters and tight pants and high heels. These girls dress like lesbians. I'm sorry. If I took <laughs> them bar, I would have taken them home. So, mm. well. On that note, thank you so much for doing the show again. It's thank good to you see you. Thank you for having me again. I, 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 I joke about people. I say, oh, I miss your face. I see you every week and I miss your face. It's great. Right? I know. Who knew you grew a beard? I don't remember seeing facial hair. All I see is the. Um, the you, you see it covered up. Yeah, I have it's facial cute. hair at the moment. And, you look uh, cute. Thank you. Sometimes it's intentional, it. sometimes it's laziness. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, but. Until next, we see each other, which thankfully is very soon. Yes. (laughs) Until next, you are on the show. Smooches, my dear, and goodbye. Bye. Bye. Night. And there you have it. That was Natalie Dolliner. A couple of follow-up things. Um, My kind of shutting her down about the coffee thing, how Edna's Edibles is not a coffee shop. They don't really serve coffee there. Well, uh, next week I will be eating those words, or or drinking them, as it were, hopefully with a, a lot of caffeine to wake me up and make me realize that we really are in anything goes times with this show, where anything can happen and anything can, Edna's Edibles can be any type of a, an establishment and the girls' personalities can take on any form and it's just, uh, well, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just a fact of life, of the facts of life. And one more thing, I don't really much share, like, letters or notes from the listeners, but there was something on Facebook when uh, the subject of this episode came up. Doug M., 
who is a very faithful listener and a very faithful commenter on, uh, on our Facebook page, he did write this. The Sisters episode, one thing that really bugged me about that was how Nat and Tootie seemed to switch characters. Nat was the meddling Budinsky, and Tootie was all whatever, none of my business. Talk about not being canon. Uh, You know, I think, Doug, you're kind of right. Especially where Tootie is typically the romantic. You do feel like she would have been the one who kind of jumped on the whole, oh, wait a minute, what's going on here? Um, yeah, it was interesting, and that was, I do think, uh, a tiny bit of a role reversal there, but didn't bother me that much. I still uh, stand by that this is one of my favorite episodes of the whole season, again, in spite of nearly 90 full minutes of criticism. Anywho, next week I'm going to be watching Season 6, Episode 24, called It's Lonely at the Top. You can watch the episode for free at dailymotion.com. I will post the link in the show notes and on this episode's webpage. And that's it for now. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show. And remember, the facts of life are all about you. Let's Face the Facts was created, produced, written, hosted, and edited by me, David Almeida. My theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Visit my website, facethefactspod.com, for supplemental photos and videos, audio extras from the digital cutting room floor, links to my social media, and ways that you can support the show financially. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever fine podcasts are found. Tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts.